Our theme this morning, our big idea, is we are a generous community. We're in the Good and Beautiful Design Trilogy, specifically the third part, which is the Good and Beautiful Community, following the Spirit, extending grace, demonstrating love. And the big idea is we are a generous community. Everybody say generous. And he's right on. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Gave. Our God is generous. Everybody say generous. Our God is generous. Some of you might be thinking, because my wife was asking me, what you're preaching on this Sunday? I said, generous. You just preached on that. Yep, she's right. Just within the last couple months, we spoke on this, and I got up and told you we don't often speak on this, and now I'm doing it twice within a couple of months. But I can't apologize. It's what's in front of me. And when the pastor gets it in front of him, you don't hide from it. And so we're going to preach it this morning. We're preaching that we are a generous community, first and foremost, because we have a generous God. And that's what I want you to know today. Our God is so generous. He's generous in kindness. He's generous in love. He's generous in forgiveness. Amen. Are you thankful for that? God is good. And all the time, because of his generosity to us. Boy, his love for us knows no ends. He always gives to us in abundance, never in scarcity. Our God is generous. So his people, the kingdom people, one of the traits that we must have, our birthmark, something that shows that we're of him, has got to be generosity. It's something he changes in us. And so this morning we're going to talk about this experiencing the joy of giving, learning how and where to give. That's what we're going to be speaking about this morning. And I want to stop before I go into the rest of it. i got a key verse, but before we can go there, I want you to open your Bibles to Matthew 6. This is, uh, don't have to have it on the screen. I'd rather you see it with your own eyes. Uh, Matthew 6, uh, turn on a phone or a gadget or a Bible. There are some Bibles dispersed underneath the baskets in the seats out there. Matthew chapter 6, verses 22 and 23. My wife and I had a long drive to Grand Rapids and back just yesterday evening. And on the way, we, we listened to uh, her women's Bible study so she could be prepared for it. So I got to listen to it too. Boy, is that good. You women that are involved in that, that is good, good stuff. She brought this out, and uh, the teacher who, who was teaching this, I think her name is Christy or Kristen or something, and uh, I thought it was so profound, and it had to do with today. Let me read you Matthew 6, 22 and 23. Does anybody know what Matthew 6 is in the midst of? Anybody know what this teaching is? Anybody? The Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5 through Matthew 7 is Jesus' famous Sermon on the Mount. So here we are. This is Jesus' teaching. Words in red. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? This is really interesting when you look at Scripture. You need to remember that it was written in a Mideast context to Mideastern people. And, and everything we know about Scripture needs to be put into that context Lots of idioms were used. You know what idioms are? Of course you know what idioms are. What happens in Vegas stays in. Yeah, right. That's an idiom, right? Even if you've never been to Vegas and you want to make that sentiment like this is a secret, you say that saying, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Well, if that's written down, 
2,000 years from now, somebody's going to come along and they're going to want to know, well, what happened in Vegas? You've never been to Vegas, but it was an idiom, okay? And so you've got to understand the idiom. But it's funny, my daughter last night, it was her birthday, so we went to Grand Rapids. She was telling me she was reading through Daniel chapter 5, and she got to the part where God wrote on the wall with his handwriting. He condemned the, the wicked leader, and he wrote, literally wrote on the wall. And as my daughter was reading that passage, she chuckled, and she said, ah, the handwriting was on the wall. She says, well, that really applies to this. Then she realized, wait a second. She looked it up. That's where the idiom comes from. If you've ever heard that idiom, well, the handwriting was on the wall, it comes from Daniel, chapter 5. The handwriting was on the wall. So idioms are important. Here in Scripture, Jesus is teaching the Jewish people, the people of the Mideast culture, knew exactly what he's talking about, about the eye. Did you know that the people back then, if they were known as generous people, they were called to be people that had a good eye? Good eye. We don't usually hear that idiom, except for when you're watching baseball. You ever watch a baseball game, and the pitcher throws a pitch, and then you hear somebody, the batter doesn't swing at it because it's low or it's high or it hit him in the head? He doesn't swing. And so everybody says, good eye, good eye. means you could see it. Well, in this culture, somebody that had a good eye, that was the idiom for they're a generous person. I could prove it. If you look at this context of where this passage is, I just read for you about a good eye, what he's talking about before it and right after it is money, giving, and generosity. Jesus talks about money, and then he talks about the eye. A good eye is one that brings in light you can see. A bad eye is full of darkness you cannot see. And he's speaking about being a generous person. Do you have a good eye this morning? Boy, when God saved us and changes us, I believe he changes us to have a good eye. A bad eye would be something that only sees myself and my needs. A good eye is when the light comes in and we can see beyond ourselves and we see others' needs. Good eye. Good eye. This church is full of people with good eyes. You see a need, you meet a need. That's a great saying. See a need, meet a need. Good eye, people. Good eye. Proverbs 22.9. You don't have to turn there. I'll just say it for you real quickly. Proverbs 22.9. The generous will themselves be blessed, for they share their food with the poor. Good eye. You see a need, you meet a need. And guess what? God blesses you for that. Generosity comes with a blessing. That's what I want to speak to you about this morning. Here is our key verse for today. Our key verse is found in Luke 6. In Luke 6. 37 through 38, do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. I want to stop there. Eyeballs here for a second. Let me see. Good eye, good eye. All right, I want to see those eyeballs. Interesting that this message comes right after last week's message about forgiveness. I think giving starts with a good eye. And a generous person is not just generous financially. You're generous forgiving. Interesting in this passage where it talks about giving, it starts with don't judge, don't condemn. Two negatives, two positives. Don't judge, don't condemn, do forgive, and do give. Boy, a person with a good eye and a good heart is going to be a forgiving person, one that gives grace, And is also generous. 
because that's who our God is, right? Do you see it? That's who our God is, forgiving and giving. After he speaks about give and it will be given to you, then he says, a good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Love this good measure, pressed down, running over. I mean, generosity. I I, I was thinking for a long time about how to illustrate this to you. The real illustration is about grain. The people knew that this happened all the time. They would go and get a portion of grain. They would pay for a certain portion. They would bring their own container that was that size, right? They didn't trust the merchant to have the container. You wanted a container that held the size you're paying for. But then a a merchant with a good eye would fill that thing up. And then he would fill it with grain, and then he would shake it a little bit. Press down the grain, then continue to fill until it was full. That's your God. Press down, shaking together, running over into your lap. The idiom there is all about uh, when you did this, the merchant with the good eye, the generous merchant poured enough in after shaking it and after pounding it down and putting in more, he rounded off the top, it would flow over. And they always carried in their clothes, they had a pocket and it would flow into their laps. So they'd walk off with their container full. And a little bit more. Everybody say generous. And this is for you. The Bible says don't judge, don't condemn. Forgive and give. The person who forgives and gives, they're going to be blessed by God in abundance. Now hang with me. This is not a tit for tat. This is not a quid pro quo. If any of you think that you can give in order to get from God, you will not get. Do you not think that our God knows when he's being manipulated? Do you not think our God knows when you're being selfish in your giving? I'm going to give this because he's going to give me more back. You're not going to be rewarded for that. I'm talking about a giver with a a giddy heart, a giddy spirit, and gives it fully without any desires of having anything attached to it. That kind of a believer with a good eye, God blesses that. Maybe this will make more sense today. We don't go get grain and shake it out. I go to... uh, I don't remember the name of the place. It's by that auto place where you got the car. Uh, what's that place called? Uh, what is it? Repo yeah, that's RepoCast. But in front of RepoCast is the place with dirt and stuff. Bedrock. Bedrock, I'm giving you a commercial today. You can pay me later. I go to Bedrock every year because Ed, Ed Mao tells me how to get my garden to work. And, and I went in there the first year to get some topsoil. I was doing a new garden. So I go in to get some topsoil. And I have an outdoor garden trailer. I take that garden trailer. I don't know how to do this. I go inside, and I'm thinking, what do I know? I, I need topsoil. I need about a yard of topsoil. So I'm waiting my turn, and the guy in front of me says, hey, I need some 50-50. And, and the guy says, all right, great. And he pays him, and he leaves. And he's walking out, and I'm thinking, well, what's 50-50? And he goes, what do you want? I said, I don't know what I want anymore. I thought I wanted topsoil, but what's 50-50? He goes, what are you doing? I said, put it in the garden. He goes, you want 50-50. 50% compost, 50% topsoil. It's all mixed together. We mix them together out there. And I'm like, that's what I want. I want 50-50. So I ordered a yard of 50-50. And you go out there, put your trailer out there. And then the guy comes with a scoop little truck thing. And, and he, he takes a, a scoop of uh, the, the compost and he puts it on the ground. He takes a scoop of the topsoil and then he mixes it with the, he's got that big old machine. He's lifting it, and he's kneading it, he's fixing it all up. I'm like amazed at him. And then he scoops it up and then he takes it over my trailer and he dumps it in. And I thought, perfect. But he wasn't done. You know what he did next? 
he took his, his, his lift bucket and he put it down on top of my trailer and he made the whole machine go, and he shook it and it all went, and he looked at me and he goes, I think we can fit some more. I thought, well, how does he know what a yard is? Am I going to get, now I'm starting to worry, wait a second, am I getting what I'm paying for? I found out later that one bucket is one yard. They, they got it measured. They know it's a, it's a yard. He, he'd put a yard in, but he put in some more. He, he pressed it down and he shook it and he settled it and he added a little more on top. This is today's, you go to bedrock and get some dirt and you'll understand. I, I drove away going, I got 50-50 and I got more of it than I ever could need. It was wonderful. That's our God. That's our God is so generous that when he has people who have a good eye and their hearts change to be generous, he takes and blesses you. Press down. Shaken. Make more room for it. Add some more to the top. That's our God. Do do, do you experience that God? I experience that God every day. Our great God wants us to be poured into our laps abundance said we've got to confront the false narratives the false narratives today is about giving there's there's things that will keep you from being generous financially but there's other things too we need to give we'll talk about that today there are things that will keep you from being generous in all of your assets let's walk through them today there's three false narratives and three true narratives today the first false narrative is one about judgment God helps those who help themselves. Hesitations 22, 1. No. Some people think that that's actually in the Bible. It's funny. I've heard people quote that before. You know the Bible says God helps those who help themselves. It's not in the Bible, friends. Ben Franklin wrote this. It was in Farmer's, Farmer's Almanac back in 1757. Ben Franklin, by the way, a good guy, wise guy, but a deist, not a believer. He was just simply a deist. He wrote these words, God helps them who helps themselves. Now, this morning, I'm going to give you a warning, like I gave you a warning last week. All three of these false narratives, you're going to, you're going to struggle by saying, I think this is true. Why is our pastor saying this is false? All three of them, you're going to say, well, yeah, but I think this is true. That's why we have a problem with generosity today. Not, not Oakwood, I'm, I'm talking in general. People do not give generously because these things have been built into our thinking and culture. Well, God helps those who help themselves. Is there a little truth to that? Of course there is. We as a church, we try to be wise with the funds that you give us to distribute, and we try to make sure that we help people get out of the hole that they're in. We, we help people financially, but we don't want to leave them in the pit so that we have to keep dumping money into the pit. We want to help them out of that pit. We want, them, we want to give a, a hand up, not a hand out. You see what I'm saying? And we know that, so we understand that. But this principle of God helps those who help themselves, that is not biblical. I'll show you why in just a little bit. It's actually judging. The second false narrative has to do with scarcity. If I give it away, I'll have less. I know you think that's true. It kind of makes sense. If I have $100 and I give 50 of it away, I have less. But this is a false narrative that leads us to avoiding generosity and it goes into the next false narrative which is entitlement scarcity plays right into entitlement what i have is mine to use for my own pleasure 
I know, I know, trust me. You're looking at these three false narratives saying, but Pastor Jackson, I think all three are true. There might be a hint of truth in them, but the falseness in them leads people to not be generous. These are false narratives. God helps those who helps themselves. If I give, I won't have anything else. And what I have is mine. I earned it. Let's walk through these this morning with the three true narratives, which I have scripture for. The true narrative is helplessness. God helps those who cannot help themselves. Think about it. Let that settle for you. Do you see how the false narrative becomes more false when you see the true narrative put on the screen? God helps those who cannot help themselves. This goes right into our salvation, friends. You cannot do anything to earn salvation. If God helps those who help themselves, then you pull yourself up out of your sinfulness and earn your salvation. And that's why it's false. You cannot earn your salvation. There's nothing you can do to buy forgiveness from God. We are helpless in that sense. And God helps those who cannot help themselves. Thank you. He sent Jesus. Let's look at Psalm 116, verses 1 through 6. should be on the screen for you. I'll read it from here. Psalm 116, 1 through 6. The psalmist says, I love the Lord, for he heard my voice. He heard my cry for mercy. Because he turned his ear to me, I will call on him as long as I live. The cords of death entangled me, and anguish of the grave came over me. I was overcome by distress and sorrow. Then I called on the name of the Lord, Lord, save me. The Lord is gracious and righteous, I would add generous. Our God is full of compassion. The Lord protects the unwary. When I was brought low, he saved me. The Lord helps the helpless. And the psalmist cried out for this and said, this is my God. When I was desperate in need of help and helpless, the Lord came to me. So this morning when we talk about generosity, we need to get rid of the judgment and understand that we're all helpless before God, and that God is a giving God. The next thing we learn, from helplessness to provision, God talks about sharing throughout Scripture. If we all share, we all have enough. Did you see what the false narrative was? If I give, I'll have less, but that's not true. The Bible says if we all share, we all have enough. Now, hang on. We're not going Bernie Sanders here. We're not going communist. We're not going socialism. This is not a rule. If you make this a rule that we all share so we all have the same, now we're in socialism and communism. We don't want to go there. This is not meant to be a legalistic rule. This is the principle. Everybody say principle. Principles are difficult because you live by them without having a mandate. It's a principle for right living. And so I'm not promoting communism, not promoting socialism, and I know the dangers of it. We're all nervous about it after all the talk of the last years. But within the church, God calls people to have a good eye and to be generous with what they have so that all will have enough. Everybody say enough. Exodus 16 is the example of this. Exodus 16, 16 through 18, this is when God's people were out And they they were in need of food. They were traveling, camping. They had nothing, no provisions, and God provided for them. He provided for them manna, bread from heaven. 
Exodus 16, 16, 18. This is what the Lord has commanded. Everyone is to gather as much as they need. Take an omer for each person you have in your tent. The Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some gathered little. When they measured it by the omer, the one who gathered much did not have too much. The one who gathered little did not have too little. Everyone had gathered just as much as they needed. Share. Do not hoard. (laughs) Do you see what's happening in our culture? With one breath, people run to Myers and ransack the aisles. Why do they need five reams of toilet paper? (laughs) But they're stashing it in their homes because they want to make sure they have more than they need. It's It's a sinful trait within us to hoard. And God's people were given manna from heaven, a free gift from heaven, this bread from heaven. And Omer, by the way, is about three pounds. I think that's gracious. Three pounds of this food per person per day. (coughs) That's pretty good, don't you think? Generous. Our God wasn't holding back. He provided three pounds of food free from the sky for everybody. And he told them, go get it. What did they do? They went out and they started gathering and they gathered tons and tons and tons because they were afraid they were going to, so they wanted to store some. And what happened? God didn't let them store it. It wouldn't last overnight. The next day it would be spoiled and rotten. So some were gathering too much. Some were going out and they weren't very smart about three pounds. And so they weren't gathering enough for everybody. And so God says, use an omer. What's an omer? He created it for this situation. A measuring device. Three pounds. Everybody gets three pounds. You can gather a whole bunch, but then put it in the omer and then leave the rest. If you didn't gather enough, the people that leave the rest will leave some, fill yours back up. Everybody should have enough. God taught us the principle of a good eye. Have what you need. Share. Make sure everybody is cared for. Again, not a law, not a rule. We talked about tithing when we talked about the last time. Boy, I never got so much heat over something than that, telling you that tithing is a principle now, not a rule. In the Old Testament, they were told to give 10%. It was a rule. Now, the principle is generosity. Some of you love that. I had somebody come in and say, Pastor, I've never heard that before. And I've decided with my wife that we've been too generous. I'm not going to give my 10%. He was joking, of course, I think. I stand by what I said. I don't believe tithing is a rule today. The rule has been replaced with a principle. The principle is generosity, which probably means more than 10%. If God had a standard of a minimum of 10% in the Old Testament, our God's the same today and forever, that's probably a good principle still, don't you think? 10% is probably a good starting point for your giving because our God is always the same. But the rule has changed, and it's much more difficult than a principle. The principle is, have a good eye, people. Have a good eye about what you have and what you should share. Have a good eye. A good eye like your father who's generous and giving. Aren't you glad God doesn't portion out his generosity like that? I'm glad our God's a shaking God and the pouring it out God and leaving it in my lap God. He gives generously. Helplessness. Provision, stewardship. What I have is God's to use for his glory. That confronts the false narrative. It was what I have is mine to use for my pleasure. 
The true narrative is what I have is already God's and, and is to use for his glory. In 1 Chronicles 29, 14. 1 Chronicles 29, 14. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. I love this. We're giving giddily. We're giving crazy here. But big deal. It's all from you anyway. It's always been yours. We're giving it back because it comes from you. It's God's. Good principles for us to learn today. Three false narratives. Judgment, scarcity, and entitlement. Replaced by the true narratives of helplessness, provision, and stewarding. So what are the primary areas of stewardship? It's not all financial. Hang on, everybody gets nervous when we talk about money. It's not all money. Time, everybody say time. Time is interesting. It's different than any other commodity because it is socialistic. It is communistic. We all have the same amount, period. You hear me this morning? When it comes to time, nobody gets more than somebody else. You all have the same allotted time in a day, in a month, in a week, in a year. We all have the same. Two, talents. That's your strength, health, and giftedness uniquely yours to advance God's kingdom. These are all areas where we should be generous. We should be generous with our time. People aren't generous with their time anymore. Why? Because they have no margin in their time. They're so booked full, they don't have time. Are you, do you have a good eye with your time? Believer, are you using a good eye when it comes to how you use your day? What about your talents? Who make, what makes you uniquely you? Are, are you using that good eye with who you are uniquely gifted to be? I already shared you about Marty and cars. What a good eye he's got. The car ninja, remember? That's what he does. He's gifted at it. Jim and I were talking about changing a tire today. Oh, my goodness. Marty can, I don't know, he's amazing. But that's his giftedness. What's your giftedness? And do you have a good eye with your talent? Do you have a good eye with your treasure? That's one aspect that is financial. It's your it's your material resources that you've got to manage and you've got to oversee. God has given it to you and it's all his, but he makes you the overseer. You're the one who manages your resources, the things you have, the money you have coming in. Do you have a good eye with it? Do you have a good eye with your testimony? This is something else you give. Sharing the story of your journey that others will be impacted by. Their journey will be impacted. Are you sharing your testimony? That's the challenge that we're going to send out this week to you. The Thanksgiving challenge is to send out a message to everybody about what God has done for you, how God has blessed your life. Have a good eye when it comes to sharing your good God with other people. The primary areas of stewardship should be our time, talent, treasure, and testimony. Are you using a good eye? So what's a plan for becoming generous? Number one, learn the joy of giving. If you don't have the joy of giving, then you need to go to God and get some things done right in the heart because it's, this is the measure. This is the measure of whether it's coming from the right place or not. If you're going to give in frustration and, and in anger and out of the false narratives, of, ah, they don't need that money and I need that money and I've got you know, If that's where it's coming from, go to God and have a heart transplant because you need to learn the joy of giving. Got a car wash this week. I always put a dollar bill in my, don't know everybody's going to break in my car because I never lock it and the keys are always in it too, but I always leave a dollar bill in the visor where my sunglasses go. I always do because I always want to make sure I can tip the guy at the car wash. 
When you leave, the car wash, they dry. They never do a great job. Who cares? I, I give them a buck. That's what I do. Big, generous giver I am. Took my son's car with the family out for dinner and decided to get his car washed. Went through the car wash, and as we're pulling out, I go, uh-oh, not my car. Josh, where's your buck? He goes, what do you mean? I said, oh, nuts. <laughs> Honey, you got a dollar? Nope. Josh, you got a dollar? Nope. Any quarters in the debt? Nope. Don't you have any money, Dad? Yeah, I got a 20. panicking, already in the car wash. What am I going to do? I can't not tip. I just, oh, it's awful. I'd love to say I left the 20. But when I came out at little teenagers looking at me, I'm like, son, how much cash do you got on you from tips? He pulls out a wad of ones. I got $14, sir. I said, here's a 20. Give me the 14. I paid as much for my tip as I did for the car wash. <laughs> he was happy. He smiled. And I'm like, this is my fault. I has got to pay for it. Here's your tip. But, you know, we, we went away to dinner, and all of us, all three of us rejoiced. We were just all happy. It, it, it kind of made us smile to give him a 100% tip. We, we need to learn the joy of giving. I'm going to tell you how you learn it. You know how you learn most things? Practice it. Practice it. Learn the joy of being a cheerful giver. Learn the way to margin. Here's the biggest issue when it comes to generosity. We have no margin. We have no white spaces in our life. When it comes to time, we we don't manage our time well, so we don't have time to give. When it comes to our finances and resources, we stretch ourselves so thin that we don't have anything to give. Most people are honest when they say, I cannot give, I'm stretched too thin. And that's true. Yes, but we need to fix that. I challenge all of you to go through Financial Peace University. And learn how to manage your own finances so that you can be a cheerful giver. Learn the way to margin what you have so that you have some to give. you got to measure it. God taught us that in Exodus. Y'all need an omer for your time. You all need an omer for your finance. You all need an omer for your testimony. You all need an omer for your talent. Measure it out, people. See what you've got. And be a steward. That's what stewardship means. You are in charge of it. Learn the joy of giving. Learn the way to margin. And learn ways to give. How do you give? Let me tell you at Oakwood how you can give. Number one, give to the general fund budget. This is what we talk about, that tithe thing, 10% or more. Be a generous giver to the church. It, It funds the ministries we have, the missions that we support. The facilities, the benevolence, the organization, which includes the staff. You need to give to that regularly. Make that your regular giving. Don't forget that people like the Stand Strength team, we're, we're, we're supporting them through that. D&D, we're supporting them through that. And then the person with a good eye gives so that we can fund that, but then they give over and above. How many of you support Stand Strength team beyond the church? How many of you support D&D beyond the church? That's good. All of that I encourage. Because I'm not worried about being stingy with God's money. He's got enough. Give to the general fund budget, but also give over and above. How do you give over and above? Oakwood cares. Every year we take an offering in December. This year, I think it's going to be December 20th. The Sunday before Christmas, Oakwood cares Christmas offering is taken. Once a year, we take that offering. Typically, we we take in about $20,000 that we distribute throughout the year. That's a challenge for you. 
I don't know why we ever thought of that was a good idea. Whoever thought that was a good idea Christmas time. Yeah, Christmas time is when everybody has lots of money. Yeah, right. We're all stressed out, right? Because we're not very good at our omers. And so we're struggling. Our omers are empty. And then we say, we got this big offering the week of Christmas. We need to give to that. But God is blessed. And I, I can't even go into it already over time. Can't even go into all the things that we do here at Oakwood to meet needs. I love that Oakwood cares. I love that. I am the, the, the luckiest person in the room because I'm the only one that usually gets to see the distribution of that. I love Oakwood Cares when I can go to a family who's had a fire at their house and I walk in with a check and I meet with mom and dad and I tell them about Oakwood and how Jesus loves us and we want to love them and then I pray with them. I get the blessing. Nuts to you guys. Selfish pastor. I wish you could be with me, but you are with me. You're the giving that makes that possible. HOP Christmas. Don't forget, as soon as you're done, 28 gifts are probably all gone. you got to go and make this happen. Be generous with this. We're giving gifts to, to little girls that are foster care children. I love this. And this is a great another thing we're teaching you. You don't get to see it, do you? I'm telling you to give, but you never even get to see the girl face light up when she opens up that doll. You don't get to see it. And this is a beautiful lesson for us all. We give without that blessing in return. Love is selfless, willing sacrifice for the good of another person even when they don't deserve it, and even if I don't get anything in return. So you are a loving congregation, supplying a gift that makes a girl's joy and glee and happiness, and you don't even get to see the giddiness from her. What a principle of giving without a reward. Don't worry, your God's pressing and shaking, and he's going to pour it in your lap. There's also serving. It's not always money. Ministry teams need your help. SOS, serving our Savior, needs your help. Faithful participation by being here today or connecting online, you are participating with your body. That is serving. Be generous with your time. Be generous with your talents. Be generous with your treasure. Be generous with your testimony. Why? My God is generous. God is good all the time. I'm not going to be generous so that he'll, he'll, he'll be tricked into giving me more. No, it's about a life change. Go ahead, team. Come up and join me here as we get ready to close. The team's going to come and sing us out. It's about a life change. The good news is, is with that life change comes a blessing. I refer to it a lot as the umbrella of God's blessing. Have you ever had a little umbrella and two people to cover? This happens a lot with my wife. You know what I do? I end up... Because if we try to snuggle, we end up stepping all over each other when it's embarrassing to walk. You know what I do? I end up just, I am just covering her. I just cover her. I just cover her. And as long as she's underneath the umbrella, she's blessed. I think living underneath the umbrella of God's blessing is what we're talking about today. You don't do it to manipulate God. You don't do it in order to be financially rewarded. But there is a blessing. Amen. The giver, the one with the good eye, has a God who has a good eye, and he sees too. And you can't outgive God. And it's just, I'm telling you, living under that blessing, living under that umbrella, living the right way, living the kingdom way, comes with a good life. It's just a different life. It's a blessed life. Yes, sometimes the rewards are abundant. And it's, oh man, God, thank you. But the blessing is living under the umbrella of God's protection and love and care. And he is giving, pressed down, shaken together, 
pouring over. Let me pray for you as we get ready to sing our way out. Father God, in the name of Christ, in the name of your Son, who you gave because you're a generous God, you gave us everything so that we could have everything. Teach us, God, how to be generous without selfish motives. Teach us to be generous. And then, Father, thank you for blessing us. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.